Transform your bathroom cleaning with Wet and Forget Weekly Shower Cleaner. You just spray today and rinse tomorrow for a no-scrub clean. With over 33,000 five-star reviews, this is your once-a-week solution to keeping your tub and shower surfaces sparkling clean. Available at Amazon, Lowe's, Menards, Home Depot, and Ace Hardware. Join thousands who switch to an easier clean. Get your wet and forget weekly shower cleaner today and make your bathroom sparkle with zero scrubbing. I love fast cars, but there aren't a ton of high-performance EVs. They're certainly out here there. But when I when I get a chance to get behind the wheel of one, it's I love it. And I was blown away by the Kia EV6 GT. When you get behind the wheel of the Kia, it, it is literally like being in a state-of-the-art rocket ship, but also comfortable. The thing goes from zero to 60 in 3.4 seconds. It is the premium driving experience. And of course, it's an EV. So the climate thanks you. SiriusXM provides access to over 165 channels in the vehicle. Music, sports, news, comedy, yacht rock. Let's go. Little, little steely Dan going in your Kia. Come on now. So check it out today. It is the all-electric Kia EV6 GT. I had a blast checking it out. Believe me, you should do it yourself via kia.com slash EV6. To learn more, that is kia.com slash EV6. Kia, movement that inspires. Mr. Badgley. Hello, Mr. Loaf. <laughs> Have we ever crossed paths? I really don't think so. I, I would remember that. I'm almost positive. Hello, everybody. It is me. Or is it I? I know I've said this before. It is I. It is It is I. That actually, you know what? I think that's the correct, that's correct English. But you guys would think less of me or more of, would you think less of me or more of me if I started this? Well, let's try it. Hello, it is I, Rob Lowe. And this is literally, I think you'd be like, ew, he's stuffy. Ew, whatever. Anyway, um. We have Penn Badgley today. We're going to gossip. We're going to gossip. We're going to talk about his show, You, as well. And um, there's some other stuff that I think you're going to find very surprising out of Mr. Badgley, not the least of which is where he got his name, Penn. Nice to see you. It's nice to see you. I was doing a little bit of researching on you. And I feel like we have so many things in common. Are you ready? Yeah, please. Okay. Your name is Penn. And according to my research, it comes from the tennis ball. Is this correct? That is true. My brother, when he was born, was so bald that we called him Dunlop. Like You're the kidding. Tennis ball, because the Dunlop tennis balls were notoriously like harder and didn't have any fuzz on them. You know, it's funny. I didn't know that. See, I'm not as dialed in to the specificity of tennis <laughs> balls. You would think maybe I would be, but, but the joke, the Dunlop joke is, the, is that my mom would always make is uh, because my dad was gripping a pen tennis ball at this moment. And she said, oh, I, I think he's about the size of that tennis ball. And that was just how it happened. Amazing. So the joke is uh, we're glad it wasn't Dunlop. 
But see, you just called your you just called your brother Dunlop. We called him Dunlop were... and because he had no hair. I like that. There's more though. Keep going. M- my, uh, your mother started a jewelry business. That's true. Um, my wife started a jewelry business. You moved to L.A. as a young actor, as did I. Yeah. How young were you? Can I ask? I was twelve. Yeah, me too. So we're, we're going to circle back and do a, a deeper dive sure, on all sure. of these. Oh. You took the proficiency exam. Did you? I did. Really? I did take the proficiency exam. I don't meet a lot of others who, okay, cool. And so basically that means that we just don't have to go to high school. We don't have to finish high school. Is that what it was? It's yeah, been so long. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it, right? what, what, from what, yes, from what I remember, it's, it, it's, the, it's, now, it's now done more often by young actors. It's called, so it's called now the CHESPE because it's C-H-S-P-E. California high school proficiency exam. So it just means in the state of California, you have the equivalent of a high school diploma. It means a number of things. I mean, back then, at least, most of the people were people immigrating from South America who were like probably in their 30s, 40s, you know, for this is a matter of work. Right. Yes. And then and then for me, it actually was too. It was so I wouldn't have to work with an onset tutor and could work adult hours. And then actually I took... Um, What's it called? Community college courses. Santa Monica College out there. Well, and Santa Monica College, because I went to Santa Monica High School. Ah, okay. So the SMC, I think they called it. Yeah, uh, SMC. Everybody was at SMC. That was kind of like... It's a cool place. It is. It's, it's a, a really cool good... very cool place. So um, we had that together. Okay, and then and then most importantly, I see, you had a, uh, a national tragedy when you did not know the words to the national anthem. <laughs> you know, I forgot... Uh, I haven't thought about that in a long time, but and yes. And I, of course, had a national tragedy when I sang um, Proud Mary at the Academy Awards. So I think Re- we're, oh, we've, wow. we've, we've got a lot. You're right. A lot in, a lot You're right. Um, by the way, I'd rather... No, I don't. you know what? I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know which is worse, embarrassing yourself in front of uh, two billion people at the Oscars or forgetting the words to the... I don't know, man. That's well, a, that's I mean, a close I think... Call. I think I How think, many people... It think, wasn't. Where were you singing this? I mean, uh, let's see. It was Tacoma, Tacoma, Washington. At a at a what do you call it? A triple A. Um, yeah. Not or, majors, the mm-hmm. but just below that, no. the Tacoma Rainiers. Um, I yeah, That's a good I th- name. it is yeah. Um, Mount Rainier, Mount Rainier is a gorgeous mountain up oh, yeah. up there. And yeah, I I sang. How did that even get arranged? Who knows? But I, I was in a lot of theater and musical theater up there, and I was working in radio before I moved to L.A. And, yeah, I do not recall at all how it was. You just blacked out. Well, I just, I mean, so, yeah, I I was sort of cavalier, I think, in terms of prep. I just, because at this point I was very accustomed to performing, and, and, and I think also out of nerves, I was like, well, I don't know what to do. I mean, it's the national anthem, so I'm just going to go sing it. And I blanked. I blanked on uh, one of the last lines. <laughs> and, 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 and I just, and I remember being like, hmm, this is uh, just silence. There's no music. And I was like, hmm, what do I do? And then I hear the roar of the crowd behind me, uh, w- all yelling the, 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 the words. And then and I couldn't hear because it was such a, an indistinct roar. And I actually said into the microphone, I said, what? It's amazing. <laughs> and, then, and then I heard the actual, the team itself, like calling really loudly, like finally the, the word. And I was like, oh yeah, thanks. And then I kept singing. And actually I have to say, nobody cared about me no. singing. It made it so much more interesting. 
And yes. the te- both teams were very, you know, congratulatory and very encouraging. So now I don't even see it as a bad thing. I see it as like a, that made the day for everybody. Nobody felt as bad as the kid, as they thought the kid who forgot the national anthem did. How old were you? Uh, I must have been 12 or 13. Oh, come on. Oh, Jesus. That's amazing then. Yeah. Yeah. I had this, I had this image of you like, the peak of gossip girl oh. <laughs> just swaggering out there with your hair yeah, moose oh, or whatever right. the hell. No, and just no, being, yeah, no, I, no. I, <laughs> America's heart throb and just butchering it. That would have been kind of. <laughs> yeah, that would have been well, a better story, to be honest. <laughs> that would have been. Now, we, we also homeschooled too. I mean, so, y- yeah, but I was. Wait, by the more... way, can I just. Here's my favorite. This is, and I have a great. Uh, the, the folks who help prep me are amazing, but this is this is not the, their finest hour with this. It says, <laughs> he and his future Gossip Girl co-star Blake Lively were homeschooled together as kids. Were you homeschooled with Blake um, or maybe they're great? So, so no, so the, there is something there. We did another thing I haven't thought of in a while. So Blake's parents were both very much in the business. So I, I went to, I knew Blake beforehand because uh, her, her, her mother was a manager and mm. and um, her father was a, was an acting teacher, and so I kind of like, and it was in Atwater, and um, I yeah, I, I I was in there for I want to say maybe like a year or something like that, and and we may have homeschooled. There may have been because there were a lot of actor kids who were in some kind of strange homeschooling slash working on sets slash whatever. I, I think at that point, to be honest, I mean Blake, from what I recall, had a very sort of iconic high school experience. So she wasn't homeschooled for very long, if at all. But there but there was some there was something there, yeah. Okay, so that's not a typo. That's no, well well no, it's, a well researched. Yeah, it's a deep I, cut I is what that is. <laughs> I, it's a deep listen, this show is about nothing but deep cuts. I'm ex- I, as I see. This is the kind of show where Paul McCartney could come on and I just w- I wouldn't even mention the Beatles. <laughs> That's what kind of show this is. In other words, a show that nobody wants. It's a right. show that's yeah. basically what Listen, it is. Join the, join the club. Yeah. Um, I've got one of those too. Okay, so you were clearly in the in the show business. I'm obsessed with what your experience would be because they like, you know, there's this whole thing where they're you know the Oakwood apartments and Oh yeah. Would, so I lived in the Kenwood, which was oh about which was walking distance from the Oakwood. The Oakwood was giant and iconic. The Kenwood was its it's uh, it's uh, sort of silent, darker counter. No, not darker. Actually, the, the Oakwood was a dark place, but it, but you know the Kenwood had its little, its 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 day. So, f- for those of you who may not have been child actors, um, <laughs> some of you maybe. Yeah, the it, there's a whole like industry where they you know you you need child actors and people come from all over the world and they move to L.A. Mm. and they yeah. you know it depends on how seriously you take it, but a lot of them you know literally on the fly rent apartments and they have homeschooler kids and they, Oh, they'll basically do, you know, on one hand it's for love. I think they'll do anything for their kids. And at the same time, they'll do anything to their kids. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, it's a tough, it's a really, I mean, I wouldn't recommend it, nor do I think you would, uh, nor do I think anybody who goes through it would, (laughs) it's just, but it's, you know, those of us who make it through have some stories. I actually want to do a show about it. I've thought about it. In fact, my brother Chad Lowe develop, is developing one that takes really? place in the Oakwood Apartments. Yeah. Wow. So and wait, did it, you ever have any contact with the Oakwood? Did you any? I feel like that would have been a little bit later, right? It I was mean, later. Okay. I lived in the Oakwood Apartments when I was training for a movie called Young Blood, and it was near oh. the. I was um, doing hockey training, and and um, that's where the studio put me. But I, okay. but I did not. You know, the, and they used to have like. Like a, a casting, like a they had a photo, 
room and a casting, acting lessons at the Oakwood. And then I just, all these kids by the, it sounds weird, uh, but a lot of people came out of, I mean, I feel like the alumnus, Mm-hmm. Is that correct? Or alumni? Yeah, something like I've that. never alumni. gotten it right. Yeah, Pff, I don't know. I didn't go. I didn't, I didn't finish Did, any schooling. So I was going to say because we have the proficiency. <laughs> yeah. What was your auditioning experience like? Give me some. You got some good audition uh, stories. Well, yeah, sure. The first one that comes to mind was <laughs> was a moment that I was both humiliated, but also felt kind of empowered because I was like, I knew that it was like a not right. <laughs> um, I went out for a would have been these days it would be the CW. The CW still exists, right? Yeah. So, but then it was the WB back. Yes. Back. Um, and I, I was going out for a show, and you know, I mean, I've been working for Warner Brothers now, basically since these days. But, but, mm-hmm. uh, but, so I was going out for a show. Is it better if I name the show or not? I'll oh, start it's always out and, better. Okay. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was Charmed. I'm pretty sure it was Charmed, and I'm pretty sure I was 13 or 14. I was, I was young, and um, I had, I think, a callback for you know, just some, just some. Just I, who barely a role. It was just a just a, a guest star, like a kid who would have been. And Charmed was a show about witches and supernatural things. So I think I was a kid witnessing some supernatural thing. And in this moment, in the in the in the script in the sides, I'm I'm auditioning with the kid is meant to be saying something in disbelief, like how? What do you mean? Something like that, you know. Mm-hmm. And I already hated. The that kind of television it's not uh, even a judgment to that it do- it does what it does i i had already been out for so many roles like that that i i was learning to become cynical you know <laughs> and i really didn't want to be there to be honest and i really didn't like these lines that i had to say um and this this moment of disbelief that i needed to have i just could not get behind for the for the little 12 year old life of me mm. and um and i gave a terrible delivery i went like why or something like that because you know it had those stutters or you yawned in the middle of the line yeah and uh and one of the young writers because there was like just a team flanking the casting director it was a giant room full of people somebody actually laughed out loud laughed out loud at my line reading which you know might not sound that bad but let me tell you that's a rare i mean you know like to actually laugh to scoff audibly in response to a child's line rating yes like you're an adult get your act together man and i and i was humiliated and didn't really know how to continue but had to of course and but then in my mind i was also like what the fuck does this guy think he is i'm a child <laughs> you know? yeah so anyway that's that's just one little yeah i i can remember having a uh, i was probably 12 and 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 fred silverman who was then on the cover of time magazine as the smartest executive in television he like wow. resurrected i want to say nbc and came up with all these hits i i had a audition with him for some reason and he talked on the phone through the whole audition i i mean he physically didn't talk but he had the phone to his ear yeah, right, and was right. listening that's, with uh, one ear and listening to the other. Yeah, that was that's, yeah. that was a good that was a good t- good times good times well, it's it's the rejection of an audition is actually when you're that young you don't realize how much it's shaping you yeah I, how you much know? therapy it's, have you had over it cuz i can tell you i uh, you know, the my lot. therapy bills are a a lot. And this is not even this is not a shameless plug for my show we don't even have to talk about my my no podcast. i want to talk about your show but this is actually how i kind of got into it because it's it's about these years it's about m- the middle school years it's called pod crushed and and you know and my two co-hosts have a have a completely different experience they they had a more 
they come from actually middle school administration, so they're like their former teachers and they're professionals in that way. Um, didn't work in media at all until this. So you know, this as this uh, kind of magnified shame and rejection that that anybody who auditions goes through, I think is like, it's essentially the feeling of being in middle school, you know? And so I, I have a unique lens on that and they do too. And so that's kind of, that's sort that's of part of the genesis cool. of our show. Yeah. If you're thinking about doing some home remodeling, check out Window World. Go to windowworld.com and check out their Windows Inspiration Guide. The guide is a dream book of page after page of beautiful windows. It's not just about how good they look. These beauties earned the good housekeeping seal and Energy Star certification. Go to windowworld.com to schedule your free consultation. Tell them you heard about it here on Literally, with me, Rob Lowe, Window World, America's exterior remodeler. Where else can you go surfing and skiing in the same day? Or check out a world-class art museum and camp out under a brilliant night sky, same day, or hike through the redwoods and get a luxury spa treatment. There's only one answer, California. No matter where you go across this state, you will find a way to play. I, look, I love California. Um, and I have not yet surfed and skied in the same day, although I do do both. So that is on my bucket list. It's the most beautiful place in the world. Discover why California is the ultimate playground. Head to visitcalifornia.com to start planning your trip today. The weather is getting warmer. It's time to ditch the jackets and sweaters for shorts and tees. But there's no need to waste money on clothes that only last one season with Quince. Now you can get high quality pieces that never go out of style. You'll be wearing year after year. Quince has all the seasonal must-haves like 100% European linen shirts for $30, performance polos, and versatile flow-knit activewear. The best part? All Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering with the top factories, Quince cuts out the middleman and passes the savings directly onto you. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices, along with premium fabrics and finishes. My producer recently made an order for Quince, and here's what he had to say. I'm really excited to revamp my closet with Quince. I cannot wait for my items to arrive from Quince. You know, I'm a sweater guy. I was looking at that burgundy cashmere crew neck. I love the blue chore jacket. Maybe I'll throw some joggers in there. So upgrade your wardrobe. Go to Quince.com slash Rob for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash Rob to get free shipping and 360-day returns. Quince dot com slash Rob. None of us ever get over. I'm not talking about just child actors. I'm talking about anybody, literally any human being. Yeah. There's a part of us that's forever stuck in middle school, I think. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I actually fully agree with that. Uh, yeah. And the more we do our show, the more that thesis seems to be proven. Uh, yeah. I very much agree. And and you know what? I think it's kind of because it's like humanity itself is going through the same process of coming of age. You know, we're going through this transition. We've never been We've never been able to see ourselves as a global people before the last, what, 100 years or so. Mm -hmm. We're going through the same 
the same painful coming of age. It's super interesting. Before we move on the, from Gossip Girl. Yeah, let's do it. Let's dial that in. Let's dial it in. I think Ms. Lively and um, Leighton Meester. Yeah. Those those young ladies are quite beautiful. And like are, that yeah. show, I remember when that show came on and everyone, like everybody was watching that show. That show was like West Wing for young people. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're right, I think. Right? And it, yeah, it's an interesting comparison to draw, but I, yeah, some, something like it. For sure. But now you're on you, and you is a really interesting thing because you started at Lifetime, I believe. Is that right? Where did it's it true. start? Yeah. It started it at started Lifetime. It started at both the least and most likely place a show <laughs> that a show about a serial killer could, could be. Yes. Yeah. And it was because I've done a bunch of stuff for them. And I remember it being there. Everybody's super excited. Big, like it was a big swing for them. Like yeah. it was. Well, you're right. Yeah, yeah. Way more serious. Not mm-hmm. more serious, but like. Well, it's yeah. It kind of is and it kind of isn't. Yeah, yeah. They def- They definitely. There was an idea that they were going to have a really exciting kind of new way to approach a, a, a scripted show. Because uh, at the time they were blowing up with their reality stuff. Right. You know, I mean, um, significantly, I think that was right around when Surviving R. Kelly. Do I have that title right? I think that, and that was like a, that was a real huge kind of elite prestige get for them. And they, and they, and, you know, they were talking about, they had a lot of other things that they wanted to do like that. This was, this was one of them and they, and they, and, you know, and so they, they, they wanted to make a big push for it. But I don't know, frankly, that always takes money that not everyone has. Yeah. And and I rem- and I remember it was like people liked it, got great review, yeah. great reviews from the from the jump, and then it, for whatever reason it didn't really work there, and and Netflix just grabbed it, and the rest is yeah. history. You're in what season four now or five? What is it? We just finished season four. Yeah, yeah, it's, and that's going to come out what in you know a few months. How many people have you killed on the show? You know, I, I don't remember the number. But if I, like if all I good do the math, killers. if I, I, I can't reveal the numbers on, so I can actually, why don't we just, if you want, you can cut this part out. Let's just walk it through. Okay. And these are, they're, they're spoil, these will contain spoilers from seasons one to three, but I can't talk about season four. Understood. Um, uh, let's see. So, so I, so. By the I way, start... my, my theory, my theory on spoilers is this. If it's a streaming show and it has been out for more than. A certain a amount of time, it's, it's no longer a spoiler. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I agree. I, yeah. So I'm just letting anybody know. I'm going to talk about all the people Joe's killed up until season, the beginning of season four. Yes. So let's see. There is there is Eli. Which nobody thought I was going to name first. He's a he's a guy. He's a he's somebody who comes from a memory uh, that you realize Joe's been doing this longer than than you thought. There's uh, Peach. There's not Candace. Candace is not Candace is somebody you think he killed, but is revealed at the end of what season is it one or two? Anyway, so it's so Eli Peach, uh, R.I.P. Beck. the the hardest The hardest thing I've ever had to do, actually, as an actor, is is the first season of this show where I didn't know how it was going to be received. Really didn't know where I landed on how I felt about the whole thing, like playing a leading man who's also a a a you know, just a just a disgusting person, but who you know who presents a lot as not. I mean, anyway, it, you know, it's yeah. it's easier to do for the length of a film, harder to do for the length of a series. It's somewhere. Let's rather than walk it through, I'm going to say I think it's somewhere in the realm of eight by the end of season three. Proficient, very yeah. proficient. He's he he is proficient. Which kind of in like was it a little bit of like a Ted Bundy type of? He's not really Ted Bundy. That's not that, that's not his vibe because uh, yeah, he's not really my, a hunter. This is more psychological. No, right? no, and and I personally and I I 
think I'm on the same page as the as the creators here. I mean, I, I speak about it openly with them, and then I also speak about it openly in press. You know, to me, what I think we're doing, we're not doing a, a clinical portrayal of a serial killer. We're we're or or that's not what's happening. This whole show is very much working in the realm of fantasy and allegory and and social commentary to me. And um uh and it does so for the sake of of both fun and profundity in, you know, alternating fits and starts. So and and ultimately it is sort of like escapist sort of entertainment with some real relevance to sort of real issues and that's ultimately like this toxic misconception of love. Joe more than a person who is like a a killer I think what he really is an embodiment is 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 a grossly distorted interpretation of all of our modern ideas about love that exist in kind of, in kind of Hollywood movie making. You know, it's like the like the the knight in shining armor in a, in a sense. Yeah. He's he's a lot of those tropes following the logic kind of in an in a consistent way, and then you know going far too far with it. Um, it turns all of those 80s movies in particular, I think, like I, I think the most iconic ones are like the, the that it's referencing are like the John Hughes um, say anything like the, 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 the sweet guy who just can't get the nerve to talk to the girl, yeah. but is like secretly sort of pining after her slash stalking her slash strategizing how to make her his which you know used to be fun and relatable and now you realize in some ways it's 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 following some tropes that are kind of problematic you know I that's never understood it's funny you say that cuz i never this i'm thinking of this movie say say anything it's not a john hughes movie it's a cameron crowe movie but it's oh, john you're cusack right. Uh, right you're but, right uh, you're but, right but, you're but, right no but but still it's like i never got it he stands in a trench coat first of all if he's in a trench coat <laughs> i'm out i'm out i'm just that's out. A, yeah it's a fair point you know what i'm saying yeah has anything is there ever a story of the hero came in in a trench coat? He was wearing a trench coat. It's <laughs> never happened. So Gambit, Gambit of X Men, the least popular yeah. hero of them all. And then he's outside in the rain. He's holding up that ginormous boombox, playing that really depressing, like whatever Phil Collins song, mm-hmm. or the fuck it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or uh, Peter Gabriel, I guess. I, I, I always got y- the ick off that, and people like there's some. Oh, it's so romantic. Yeah. Yuck. And, the, and I think what people love is like, look at the, what, yeah, what is that? It's the, it's the, I'll do anything for you. I'll, I'll do it. And actually that's what this guy is. He is the embodiment. He's not as much of a serial killer as he is the living embodiment of I'll do anything for you. So this yeah. show is a lot more about love than it is about actual like pathology in, 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 in like, a, you know, like the mind of a serial killer. That's what I think. No, that makes perfect sense. That I, I totally see that, and and I I and you're right. That it, that concept does not age well. It you know it was quaint yeah. and cute in the '80s, maybe. Yeah, and it, by the way, it was because it was being portrayed in just the right way by just the right people. You know. Yes. And you and I have have portrayed those roles. John Cusack yeah. did it. Every you know, it's like we 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 have we have about probably when all is said and done, like something like 30 years of this specific kind of like nice guy who's actually creepy if you mm-hmm. think about it <laughs> trope <laughs> yeah you know what i mean yes and 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 that's actually what i did for most of my career beforehand 
And so it's interesting where this show, and I always thought the same thing too, by the way, playing these kinds of roles. Uh, you know, you, you know, nobody has as many insights apart from the creators of something as the actors who have to read <laughs> the lines. Those you know? words all the time. And you have to bring it to life all the time. And so, you know, I, it's an interesting continuation of this, of this sort of like uh, archetypes I've played before. It's funny. I, um, I work a lot on the Fox lot and they filmed obviously it's an iconic movie tv lot it's been there since totally, the 20s yeah. and they have paintings on the sound stages of yeah, some of their yeah. iconic work and there's one i see every day and somebody had the idea to you know to put it up there and it gives me the heebie-jeebies it's marilyn monroe and i want to say tom elam in seven-year itch that's right i know i know which one you're talking about yeah and and he's sniffing her hair yeah yeah and she's kind of like being like, oh gosh, coquettish, like, oh. but yeah, coquettish and kind, you clearly kind of, and he, it just an older, ugly man <laughs> sniffing this beautiful young woman's ear, yeah. l- lurking. It's so, and like, and that was, it's an, it was like, oh, isn't that cute? Isn't that amazing? It's like, no, it's yeah, well, creepy. I mean, look, dude, I mean, look, you actually dial this stuff in, which is, I don't know that we need to go there here, but. I mean, look at Marilyn Monroe. Like, look, I think I'm not I'm not it's not a one to one thing. I'm not saying it's causal, but it is correlated. Like, you know, she's she's not just like when when icons such as her, we have such a sort of desperate and awful experience in real life while they're living through the representation of these archetypes and there's it's not it's not just random it's not coincidental i'm not no. saying that's what it creates necessarily for that person but but they're related you know it's like it's like you can't bring all this to life in this way without i don't know without it 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 all takes a toll not just on the people who play it but on our culture like it all has really kind of subtle insidious far-reaching implications i think you know it's like it's it's fascinating to me and i have been fascinated by a lot of this for a while working in television and film as much as i have and then playing this particular role where it's all about kind of like analyzing and dissecting and deconstructing this these ideas we do you need a break like a reset like an energy reset when you're when you're living in that you know what yeah. i mean do you i mean you've yeah. got a a big spiritual life correct I do, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, tell me a little bit about that because I'm kind of fascinated, and, I, and I'm gonna butcher. It's Benai, right? Is that Bahai? You're Baha'i. close. The, the, it's not an N; it's an H. So B A H A apostrophe I, and the 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 root of that word Baha is Arabic. The founder of the faith is Baha'u'llah from uh, lived from 1817 to 1892 in um, Iran, then the Persian Empire, and uh, this is now you know one of the most widespread and diverse world religions, independent world religion. Um, uh, although the the, the the original writings are in uh, in Arabic and Persian, and so Baha means uh, glory, light, and splendor. That's a rough sort of so. To, and, and you know you could think of that as like the glory, light, and splendor of this of this age that we're that we're all living through. I mean, the last you know two hundred years or so have seen advances in in our in our consciousness and in our in our in our social evolution, our technological progress, the arts and sciences, everything, you know, everything, everything is just blowing up. And, and so I think in some ways you could say glory, light and splendor captures the, 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 the light of these sort of spiritual forces and social forces at work in, in this, in, in the world that we live in. Um, and so that's, uh, you know, 
I'm speaking obviously very broadly here, but that's that's something of what it means to 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 be a Baha'i is to be recognizing that and. Does that help you get through season four of being a serial killer? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, just practically, like, uh, just prayer and meditation, as you know, so 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 many people do. And okay, some tell form. me about your meditation. Okay, all right, here we go. Because see, I, I'm obsessed with people's, you know, process in that way because I it's taken me way longer than it should have to get to actually meditating in my life. I've had people who I admire for years and years and years and years saying it's a big part of their life. It's a big part of their life. I've tried it, not tried it. It's just never. And then I finally doing TM. Yeah. And, and that's really so far been the only way that's stuck for me, but what's your process like? Well, so like I started something like 10, 12 years ago, I was always, I mean, really kind of the origins of this for me was I grew up without any kind, I did not think of religion as a, as a valuable resource at all. So just, just for that reference, like the fact that I could call myself religious now is such a plot twist. Mm. Um, but, but I can't recall if I, what I would have, I was not comfortable with the word God. I was not, com- but, but somehow life was always, life was always this really beautiful mystery to be explored. I think primarily through art and music was my, music was my thing. So, so I think, I think I was really desiring to find that sacred sort of stillness, that deep place of deep reflection that meditation can be. Yeah. Because it reminded me of the reverence that that great art and especially great music would would create for me as of even a young child. Music was always like very, very powerful. So I think by the time I was in my late teens, early 20s, I was really interested in that vibe. But, you know, back then, man, like... It's amazing how quickly things progress in a way, like how common meditation is even used as a word, but it was not common even just, what, 20 years ago. So For sure. Uh, I did get so, hmm. I, so, I, I mean, literally, I hate to be so pedantic about it, but like, okay, it's time for you to meditate. What are you doing? Yeah, what do I do? So, so for me, actually, at this point, this did not used to be the case. I do not, meditation does not exist without prayer for me personally. It's kind of like a call and response. Mm. Because from I think a lot of people who meditate are also sort of broadly agnostic in their in their in, I I am not I am I, I welcome all perspectives and I'm really interested in finding how everybody is actually feeling the same thing but using different words for it. But the way I relate to this is is a belief in God is 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 and and what I could say maybe that in a more secular sense is like that life is profoundly meaningful has clear has 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 a has a has a has a has a purpose, you know, a profound purpose that c- collectively and then also free every individual. And and that to me, I want to tap into that source. And that source is conscious. That source is communicative. That source is a, is a, is a, is a deeply personal relationship. You know, I do call that source God. A lot of people do too. But word is a tough word, right? A lot of people get a lot of people get emotional. Kind of over that makes, word. This all makes perfect sense to me, right? And and again, that's I want to keep it about you but that was that was you just described my journey exactly okay yeah and i you know i mean i do think in our industry people who yeah people in our industry i think have to search at some point because otherwise you will end up low really low really um really in a in a in a hard and, and bleak place and actually you know what i would say that for everybody but anyway that's i won't generalize but yeah so so for so for me meditation is is actually the space after prayer where i've been sort of and and for me now it's using specifically Baha'i prayers of which Baha'u'llah wrote countless just beautiful incredible mystically intoxicating 
language uh, uh, that uh, that that for me brings me, you know, I think. So this is something I've even heard in like twelve steps a lot. Is when we when we and I'll go ahead and use some really clear sort of traditional language. Like, you know, you're you know you're on the right path when when you're not praying for your will, but praying to understand God's will. You know, yes. not, not 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 you're not asking for something as much as you were asking to be shown what it is that actually you need and and want and and that that you know and and it's almost like if that's all you do you're good to go by the way it makes it a lot a lot, a lot less time consuming than doing yeah. a laundry list of things you need in your life actually yeah i agree i don't even feel this is a other thing other side of thing i'm not sure this is all good but like i don't feel comfortable asking for something that I want in that space. I only want to pray to just sort of be like, all right, this is where I sort of empty my cup. And then the meditation is where the cup is then filled again. You know, it's like I'm listening. I'm sort of listening and receiving. And and, and by the way, like I don't pretend that I'm always receiving like true information here. I, I think what you need to do in order to see about that is like you, you test it out in action and then you just refine the process of like praying meditating and reflecting, acting, and then sort of like, uh, you know. Have you ever felt that you've gotten, I don't know, however you want to call it, a download or or a direct message mm. or or a God shot, they say in the program a lot, where you're like, oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah. And it's like a, a, I... a, an answer, a message, whatever. You ever had any of those? So I feel a lot of what you might be able to say is like direct contact, more like through my my kind of prayer within this Baha'i framework to Baha'u'llah or to, you know, it's like, uh, it's, it's I, I don't, I, to say like direct or I, that, that word. You would I, know it if you had it. Like if, yeah, like I just don't, the, no, I don't you, feel, I don't feel that you way. You would I, say, yes, I once had an X, Y, Z. Right, right. Yeah. I, and I don't, but, I, but what I think is interesting is that I have constant like closeness to that space so yeah. it's much it's much um mm-hmm. what do you call it osmosis yeah i don't ever feel like i've been given that direct thing but i've gotten a lot of osmosis which i think is almost in a way like <laughs> for me at least it's preferable hey listeners ever have trouble getting someone on the phone when you have a question about your credit card with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover. Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. So I came home to a little gift in my bathroom the other day from our friends at Harry's. To get what you want, you have to challenge the status quo and blaze your own trail. You know who challenged the status quo? Harry's. They saw customers getting ripped off by questionable products in the shaving industry and decided they had something better to offer. So instead of charging the same old ridiculous prices, Harry's found a way to make their beautifully designed razors, and they are beautiful, for a fraction of the price of the other big brands. Exceptional products, honest prices. That's Harry's. They have the highest customer satisfaction in shaving history and a no-risk trial. Don't like your shave? No worries. It's on them. 
convenient subscription options that you can cancel at any time. And Harry's also has other self-care products that meet the same quality standards as their razors. Richly lathering, skin-softening body wash and scents like Redwood, Wildland, and Stone, and an extra high-quality, amazing-smelling deodorant for just five bucks. I love their stuff. I'm so impressed by Harry's products. All of it. All good. Don't settle for the status quo. Blaze your own trail with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash rob. That's harrys.com slash rob for a $3 trial set. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. If you've been listening to Literally long enough, you'll know that I am a big believer in getting the help you need. Therapy has been a big, big, big part of my life and something I think we should be all doing as needed, just like checking the oil on your car. I've spoken about this and we all carry around different stressors, big and small. We keep them bottled in and it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe place to get the things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a licensed therapist. And switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Rob Lowe today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash Rob Lowe. Tell me about your ayahuasca experience. I have that in oh, my yeah. notes. Yeah. So and that so so that was. And you read? Yeah. You read? Do you read? Is this correct? You read from your ayahuasca notes as a bit, like a stand-up thing? No. So okay. Yes. So I was asked once to participate in something called the ayahuasca monologues, which was I don't know, ten, fifteen years ago, like this. Well, it's growing... the vagina monologues, but yeah. Remember that? Remember that show, the vagina monologues? Completely. Yeah. I mean, I was. Vi- I never saw it because it was it was booming when I was a bit young for it, but. Uh, and I never and I never saw it later, but yeah, it was kind of like this moth inspired vagina monologues and but just storytelling yeah. thing around people who've 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 you know participated in, a, in an ayahuasca ceremony in some capacity. And I, yeah, I was invited to do that, and that would, but the, you know, interestingly, that was that was towards the end of my of my period where I was really exploring that method a lot for about two and a half years. Were you on actual ayahuasca <laughs> during? <laughs> no, no. You know, to me, so I, uh, I, and pe- you know, people can think whatever they want. It, it, I, I took it very seriously. I mean, my, the yeah. only drugs I've ever taken much of were psychedelics and I pursued them with a sort of clear intent. I've now been sober for, I don't know, seven, eight years and, oh, wow. and, um, me too. and, and, and I, uh, I actually never, of all the great struggles I've had, substance has never really been one. I actually couldn't really hang with them. My tolerance was always very low and I was very sensitive. Uh, but, you know, what I was using those psychedelics for was um, essentially what I use all this spirituality for now without substance. It's just like it's it's he- healing and therapy on, on one hand. And then on the other, um, contact with uh, a deeper, subtler reality that sort of pervades all things. And that's that I, I get into the same state with prayer meditation now that I used to rely on psychedelics for. That's insane. That's and that's the other thing that is now in the consciousness is is ayahuasca 
literally a year ago, I feel like, was this weird thing. Not many people knew about it. Now you have like Aaron Rodgers, the Green Bay Packers talking about really I, I mean, yeah i mean it certainly is way more mainstream and i and i was and i was you know i'd been reading about it since i was in my late teens uh there's a book by a man named daniel pinchbeck called breaking open the head that i got when i was about like i think 18 and and so that really influenced me in my pursuit of like what is it called entheogens you know and it's just the pursuit of of the mystical experience through the use of of natural substances that have been mm. used kind of throughout ancient humanity but even that i think now i'm not i'm yeah i just don't that doesn't interest me at all in the in the in the same way that it used to because i think let me ask you this i mean de- de- a devil's advocate thing here with ayahuasca so or or mushrooms or whatever the hell it is or yeah, lsd yeah. or microdosing whatever it is like the notion that yeah, you take that and you get high and you see freaky shit. No fucking kidding. Or you take that and it it opens your consciousness in a way where you're receptive and are able to see and intuit real things. Yeah, so I think it's I think I'm definitely with you in that. I'm not dismissing anybody's valid and valuable experience with their use of this stuff because I, look, I can't even though sobriety and you know spiritual state of intoxication without the use of substance is is a is a core part of my own faith and its principles and my principles i I, look i i did these things and i and part of the reason why i did these things is because i was in frigging despair at the state of the world and the state of my own heart and mind and the state of my family the state of my you know the my like just everything and 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 i was seeking it for what i now understand to be as i said healing and therapy now, these things are referred to in indigenous cultures often as medicine, and I think taken in that context, they absolutely are and, and can be. And, and, and I think anybody who pursues them with like a pure heart in that manner is, is probably going to benefit. I just think that we live in an age where we live in such a material as opposed to spiritual age at least superficially, like we, you know, while we maybe have more spiritual power than ever, we, we don't use that language. We don't use that. Yeah. And so I think we're, you know, I mean, mental illness, like those rates just keep skyrocketing. There's just and pr- proliferating all kinds of new specific things that can happen to our mind in a way. And I don't think it's all a coincidence. I mean, to me, all of these things are, are being used as tools to get into contact with a deeper reality. And that is a reality, though, you know. Now, again, you can abuse anything. Little bits of poison are medicinal, but in, 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 in more than moderate amounts, they're toxic. So, no, but you, you, you've, answered, you, you've answered, though, what, what I was really asking was that the use of hallucinogens, whatever— yeah, for a better term, it is. I know that's, I'm using it broadly. Is not that you hallucinate? I saw a huge oh, yeah, lizard right, no, and yeah. he was no, talking. It's, it's, sure, yeah. You, it, it's it's a medicine yeah. that it, that that is able to somehow, in ways we don't really understand, get you in touch with an another realm layer of an existing consciousness. Yes, right? and uh, yes, and I do think the most pure form is is again like the entirely human use of prayer. It's one that we're, as a society, really out of touch with. 
you know, prayer and then action and bringing it into reality, bringing it into social reality, bringing it into your personal life. Like, to me, I think that the reason we need these particular substances as a medicine, if we do, is is because we're such a, a such a deeply um, traumatized culture, you know, you know, kind of the world over. And, and that's okay, by the way. I think, like, people using them for that reason's, like, Great. But I, but I do feel strongly also that it's like we're in an age now where we, we need to tap into the power of human potential as opposed to seeking it elsewhere constantly. So, I, so I'm, I'm very much yeah. of, like, of two minds on it. While I, I appreciate my use of it, and I certainly wouldn't judge others for it, to me I'm like kind of if you need it for healing, get it, and then continue and not depend on it. You know what I mean? Of course. Totally shifting gears. Yeah, please. By the way, there might, <laughs> might there might not be a bigger gear shift than this. Tell me about TikTok. So All right. <laughs> you so you are like you come on TikTok. You've got like two point two million followers already. How did you do that? Well, it's because you're on your show, and your show's got yeah, my show's big. Your show skews young. I think your your audience is younger. a younger audience for that show for sure. Right? Yeah. Well, I I mean, you know, yes, I'm not, I would never resist that, it, but it also seems to be, it seems to be quite broad these days. Yeah. I mean, it, it is because the show is mature, certainly. It's mature content. Ooh, it's more mature content. Uh, sex and violence, the most mature thing one can yes. <laughs> depict. Um, you, you, lip, you did a lip sync to Taylor's song. Antihero? Yeah, that was my, that was the, that was the, uh, the, so for years, actually, I've been thinking, you know, in the right way, I'll, I'll I'll get on TikTok. That'd be fun. Yeah, yeah. And actually, even years prior, back in what, I think 2018 maybe, 2019, mm-hmm. um, with a friend of mine named Christoph Grizel, who, uh, who's a musician, he had a song called uh, I Did It that was, it was sort of the iconic precursor to me joining TikTok because it was a, it was a viral th- moment in and of itself. Mm-hmm. It was his song. We were lip syncing to it and doing a little dance. Gotcha. Um, and that went, very viral. There are a lot of you, uh, meaning me, of the show you memes. Mm-hmm. So yep. already, I think like me, Joe Goldberg, my character on the show you, and then Dan Humphrey, my character on Gossip Girl. All this yeah. triangle of uh, yeah. of of characters mm-hmm. is was already like a meme, vaguely zeitgeisty kind of thing, and 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 interfaced with TikTok already. So I think, got yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like it was just it was just yeah. waiting for the right moment, and then Taylor's song came out, and it just because the whole point is like I'm lip syncing to her song "Antihero," and my uh, character Joe is is a uh, technically he's not really an antihero; he's a villain. But 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 you know, but he's yeah, being it as an makes anti-hero. perfect sense. So it just was a it was just like a lightning only strikes once kind of thing, and and it really worked. That's sick. That's so cool. Yeah. Um, do you um? How often do you? TikTok. TikToks. <laughs> well, it's only been, it was, it was like mid or late October. For the first three weeks, I was like, yeah, let's try this. Let's do this. And the last three weeks, I've been slammed and just really more in the life of family. So I haven't yeah. made them. But, you know, I'm like, it's fun. It's it's uh, it's uh, using them to sort of, with my podcast, Podcrushed, uh, we make a lot more TikToks that are, more directly we're using to just sort of build the fan base for the show so that's like uh that's yeah. kind of how it's working that's smart pod crushed everybody don't forget if you're if you found this even remotely interesting which hopefully you did because i did um you can get pod crushed wherever you get your your um pods podcast. crushed 
Where you get your pods crushed. Yeah, I I have to say, I love TikTok. I, I, I'm obsessed with TikTok because the algorithm, I'm on TikTok. I, I think I do fun stuff on it, but but I the algorithm knows me better almost than I know myself and shows yeah. me just the stuff I'm obsessed with. That's what algorithms and, do. <laughs> and by the way, it only, and it shifts on a dime. Like, it, it just, it's really kind of in, intense. It, it and, and I hate to say it, but I also think it listens to me. Because I will say, oh, that's probably a very partic- I'll say a very specific deep cut dive type of thing. And then the next thing you know, l- literally the next time I go on TikTok, there's something related to that. And it happens, it happens Three All the times, time. yeah. A week. This is this is what people say about. So I'm not on the um, the scrolling part of it as much mm. as the yeah. I'm not as familiar with it as I am with the other platforms. And you know, Twitter's kind of fallen apart, and Instagram I haven't really been on that much. So I feel like I I don't get this as much as I hear about this. But so it's definitely a thing. I watched this thing called what is it? The Social Dilemma on Netflix. Yes. It's like yeah. so the main point that they make there that I think is an interesting question is like where do we fall on how do we think our devices are listening and then responding or do we think that the algorithms are just with scary precision predicting our behavior and actually I I can just tell you with my experience and I can I can give you literally as specific at least once a week if not twice right I told a series of jokes the other day on the set with a very specific punchline and various like th- like a bunch of iterations of the same joke mm. i went on tiktok and someone was telling that joke wow i've never had it i've never had a tiktok where someone told a joke let alone a joke with the exact same setup the exact same literally and that so, goes on and on and on and on yeah, on and yeah. on and on and on so this is man this is like this is so either the algorithms are predicting that which is There's no just way. as disturbing I mean, yes, consider what right. would be what would be necessary in order to be able to predict that behavior. The algorithms yeah. would be pretty sophisticated. And I think in some cases that's what's happening. But if it's specifically being, if we're being listened to in that way by a number of apps and by a number of, so either somebody has to listen to that date, that sound and then respond to it, or there's a machine that's listening and able to respond. That's a high level of, of, of surveillance, no matter which way you slice it. Listen, I... I and it's look. It's easier for 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 somebody like me to say because my you know my anonymity, privacy doesn't exist. left the barn many <laughs> yeah. many many years ago. Yeah, and that horse is through the it's gone. Yeah, I just assume just that everything is listening to everybody at yeah any time. I and, sort of yeah. I, I and it, of... look at the end of the day, if you've got if you've got nothing to hide and you know it's like okay, what right. are you gonna do? What, yeah. what are you what are you gonna do? I mean, I think it has, I think it, to me, it's, it's, uh, cause I'm with you on that because of the sort of lack of privacy and anonymity that, that I have. It's not some, to me, it's not about like, I don't cherish my personal data, quote unquote. To me, I think this question is more of a moral one is like, who's going to start regulating all of these corporations that have all this information and wield the power with uh, nothing but profit in mind, you know? 100%. Yeah, but then and, and again, I feel like that's that horse is out of the barn. But my here's my little future prediction. I feel like with what's going on with TikTok right now with Elon and and I'm just starting to see it with um, younger people that I feel like we're we're at the end of the golden age of 
social media yeah. participation as we know it. I feel like there's going to be, and this comes back to what we talked about with meditation and things like that. And I, I think you're going to see where there's going to be a whole movement where people are like, "Yeah, I'm 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 on a I'm on a, fa- uh, a social media fast, mm. and it's going to be cool to not be on social media." I really believe that's coming. Like, start, look, it'll always be what it is, but there's always the cool kids. Right. There's yeah. always the group of cool kids, the iconoclast, the they're the ones who go against things. They're the punk rocks. When when there was, you know, Yacht Rock, the punks came up. There's always a group that comes up and sticks their finger in the eye of whatever other person is doing. Yeah. I think the next movement is to not be on social media. I think. I, yeah. I mean, I agree with you. I think that's probably already happening in, in s- smaller numbers. And I don't know. I mean, it, yeah, it's, man, the future is very unpredictable because... You know, it's like that thing of, like, there, there's not a kid in the world that would be caught dead on Facebook today. That's true. Yeah, I think right? that's true. <laughs> but I remember, because I have kids, I remember when they couldn't get enough of it. Yeah. Everybody, there was like, I remember, I was like, I'm gonna, what is it? I'm going to change my profile? Is that what the hell used to do? Like, we used to... Is, did you have a or, or my status? Did, yeah, my status. So, so, was like, oh, I'm going to change my status. Was like a big thing. I, now they're like, this is what my grandma does. Yeah. So you you related to it through your kids. I didn't have kids then. Facebook, or at least one's old enough to be um to be on Facebook. Uh, and I never I never had it. So I don't. Facebook is the most foreign one to me. I, weirdly. Yeah. My only opinion is that it, it was cool at one point and is yes could not yes. be less cool if it tried. And I think that's where all of it's headed. I think you're going to be like, ew, you're on social media. I think you're right, man. I mean, to me, what it is is like, I think what TikTok is, so there's a lot of things about TikTok you could paint as objectively sort of negative. But one thing that it is doing, I think it's a reflection of the sort of end of an age of celebrity focus. Because look, at you think of the people who are really big on TikTok. They're not coming from our industry. They're, they're you know, and that's the point. And a lot of celebrities seem to falter on TikTok because there's an expectation that they'll just sort of be received with applause. And mm-hmm. and and it's basically a bunch of kids who are like, What? Who are you? <laughs> you <know>? Unless <laughs> you sort of abide by their by their sort of like, you know, if you could call them social laws on there. You know, it's and yeah, yeah. I, and so even though there's a lot of, you know, big company stuff with TikTok, I'm not saying it's all good, but I think the way young people are using it, it's a reflection of them not being interested in, well, what is the, yeah, it's just not a place for like disseminating information the way that it seems to used to be valuable in that. Now it's just a place to like create sort of, I don't know, irreverent ideas. And then it's, yeah, and then hopefully like be on it less and do other things. I mean, listen, I mean, I, where else am I going to get you dancing to? I mean, there's value. There's actually nowhere else, actually. No, there actually is nowhere else. Yeah. Every now and, and then I'll post it on Instagram too, but not really. Yeah. Well, it's good. Well, this is great. I thank you for, for I'm gonna check out your podcast. It sounds like it's right up my up my alley. Thanks for man. sure. Well, I don't know about you, but I'm gonna go take ayahuasca and meditate. That's that's my takeaway from this. Um, <laughs> you never know what you're going to get. That was so fun for me because I, I never in a million years thought I would be down the wormhole that he and I just got in. 
and it was super fun. But that's why we do this. It's why I do the show. And I hope that's why you listen. Anyway, ring, ring, what's that? Oh, it's the lowdown line. Hello, you've reached literally in our lowdown line, where you can get the lowdown on all things about me, Rob Lowe. 323-570-4551. So have at it. Here's the beep. Hey, Rob. Love, love, love your podcast. Grace Grant from Greenville, South Carolina. Uh, my favorite Thursday ride to school is with you every every Thursday. I am a school librarian at an elementary school. Have you ever considered writing a children's book? I think you would make a great book on perseverance or finding your gift or, I don't know, something super cool. I would love for you to write a children's book and, of course, would love for you to come read it to my students. Uh, Keep doing what you do. We love listening to you every Thursday. Thanks. Bye. Oh, that is so sweet. Thank you. Um. I actually did think for a, for a minute about writing a children's book even before I wrote my my memoirs and never did it. I have a character. My character is Sharky Malarkey. He's a shark and Sharky Malarkey has a problem with the truth. He likes to exaggerate. He's very lovable and so maybe I need to write the Sharky Malarkey book. Hmm. Okay, you've kind of inspired me. God darn it. Now you put a good idea into my head. All right. If I write the Sharky Malarkey, I will come to Greenville. This would be like The Outsiders when the librarian wrote a letter to Francis Ford Coppola and said, would you ever make a movie about the book The Outsiders? And Francis Ford Coppola did. Then he premiered the movie um, for, for the kids around that library. I'll do the same with my book if it ever happens. Thank you. Great idea. Um, I'll see you next week. As usual, um, why don't you send this to a friend? Uh, send, send the show out. You know what I mean? Introduce some folks to it. That would be great. I would really appreciate it. And um, give us a good review on Apple. Um, that's always helpful. And in the meantime, we're going to keep uh, making some good stuff. And we'll be back next week with more fun here on Literally with I, Rob Lowe. You've been listening to Literally with Rob Lowe, produced by me, Rob Schulte. With help from associate producer Sarah Bagar. Our research is done by Alyssa Grawl. The podcast is executive produced by Rob Lowe for Low Profile, Adam Sachs, Jeff Ross, and Joanna Solitaroff at Team Coco, and Colin Anderson at Stitcher. All of the music on this podcast was composed by Devin Bryant. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time on Literally with Rob Lowe. This has been a Team Coco production in association with Stitcher. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com.